Hello and welcome to the Games of the Year special episode of Queers at Play podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Mark, and I'm joined as always by Graham. Hello. And Ruben. Hi, everyone. Finally back. Yeah. It's only been four months. That's nothing. Nothing has happened in four months, really. It feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like nothing ages. new has happened. Let, let's put it. Let, let's be strict about this. Nothing new has happened in the past four months. There's been. There's been. There's been. There's been no news. There's been no games. It's, it's been pretty dead, really. Yeah, Gaming just stopped happened. in September. <laughs> <laughs> just for us. <laughs> Makes sense. We needed it. Uh, so. We are here for this episode to pick our games of 2022, uh, and this year we have each picked four games, uh, and a couple of us have honourable mentions that don't really fit into the Game of the Year category, but we still want to talk about them. So uh, let's kick things off with Ruben. What is your first pick? Yudin Chronicle Rising um it was tell us more it well you did chronicle rising simply because it's like it's it's really got me excited for you chronicle that's actually coming out this year um Mm -hmm. it's it's basically just a 2d jrpg with kind of action rpg combat um where you're you're controlling all three party members at the same time but they're attributed to buttons in a similar way to the way they do it in the Mario and Luigi games. Okay. Um, and it's it was it was just fun. You kind of uh, you you. It's got a very, um, in a way, kind of in, in, in a thing that would appeal to. You. Well, no, it wouldn't appeal to you, Mark. But you'll understand what I mean. <laughs> As a combat sim, uh, similar to um, like Fist. Okay. Yeah, I do love a good Fist. Um, <laughs> Like that kind of almost fighting game level sort of like combo system. Um, Uh But rather than um, switching your weapons like you do in in Fist, it's basically just controlling different characters by switching through them and then comboing Mm -hmm. using the different characters. Um, Plus one of the characters is a uh, grumpy kangaroo. With a big sword. That's perfect. I mean, if anything is going to sell a game to you, Ruben, it's that there's some kind of anthropomorphic <laughs> animal. Yeah, to this control. just sounds like the most yeah. Ruben game ever. Yeah, and there's and there's going to be more anthro characters in the main Uden Chronicle game too. So, so um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a. As a, it as a sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, as a silly question, is this a is this a series or is this like a prequel to a, like a, a small prequel to a main game that's the first in its series? It's like a, I've not heard of it. It's before. like a small prequel to it, yeah. It's, it's it's the latter. It's a small a small prequel to a game that's coming out this year. Um, I believe it was kickstarted, and I believe it's I might be wrong on this, but I believe it's by some of the people that worked on Suikoden, so that's why it did quite well on Kickstarter. Um, okay but like the moment i heard about this project i was like fuck why didn't i know about this when the kickstarter was happening because i would have kickstarted this because as graham has already pointed out this is a very me game mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just i just had a lot of fun with it and it wasn't that long either um i think i got from beginning to end with all of the side quests in about 22 hours or something so yeah that's not bad. Yeah, not bad, not bad. And can you ex- can we expect to maybe see the full game in your games of the year list for twenty twenty three? If it if it stands up to the uh, to the prequel, I mean, who the fuck knows? Um, we've got like <laughs> we've got Octopath two, Fuga two, um, Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, there's all like and those are just JRPGs. There's a this lot. Year. There's a lot yeah. coming out. You're having a busy year. year. Mm. But yeah, that's my first pick. Awesome, Graham. Okay, so I kind of struggled with mine because I've played a lot of old games and I've played a lot of games that I didn't actually end up really liking that much. Um, 
You can blame Game Pass Gamble for I can, that. Yeah, I can blame that, <laughs> definitely. Um, like, I played Bayonetta 3 and stuff, and I didn't end up liking it that much at all. Oh, yeah. Um, I would probably say, at a push, I would probably add Pokemon on there. Um, and that's mm-hmm. Violet, not Legends. I only vaguely liked Legends. I think, Ruben, you probably liked that more than I did. I know you didn't do all the end stuff. Um, but Violet, I played a lot. Because I always get super excited for a new gen. A new gen's like such a big deal to me. I'll, the spin-offs are they're fine. Um, but when it comes to a new gen, I get super excited to go through a brand new world and stuff like that. Um, Violet, as we know, has its major issues left, right and centre. Like, it's it's far, mm-hmm. far, far away from a Pokemon game. And in many ways, it's it's kind of actually a bad game. Um, but I absolutely loved playing it. Uh, I just blitzed through it in about three days i think um i just had a great time i think there's a there's loads of things that i would change like i think the leveling system's bad um i think i hate the gym challenges because they're just shit i don't want to try finding somebody with <laughs> a security camera like, this isn't a gym challenge it's rubbish um but i really liked the the best thing about it is all the characters and i don't like mean the new pokemon there's some new po- great new pokemon but like the new characters in the games i think are some of the best there's ever been in pokemon games um, mm-hmm. like all the team star story and stuff like that i think is really good a lot of it's really cute and sweet and so i really liked all that kind of stuff and the ending is the best ending pokemon's ever had like they really just went over the top in such a good way but i ended up really loving it in the end it's nowhere near one of my favorite pokemon games um but yeah but it's still a Pokemon game. It's still a Pokemon game, so that's going to be something I'll still enjoy. Um, See, it's it's a game that I have, and I've spent maybe two hours playing it, and now I keep meaning to go back to it. And then I did, you know, I saw the tweet the other day where they said, oh, there's a big patch coming on. Oh, the end of February. Towards the end of February. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well... I've not put that much time into it now. I might as well wait to see what that brings in terms of like performance issue fixes, bug fixes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You so, may as well like, I've... like for me, like the performance stuff. Yes, it's noticeable, and I'm I'm the sort of person I can't notice shit when it comes to frame rates and stuff like that. I'm like I don't know if it's thirty or sixty or twenty four or whatever. I don't notice, and I don't really care most of the time. But yeah, it's everything about this. I was like, yeah, I can totally notice it. It didn't. I think I think when it drops below twenty, it's a real problem because then then almost anybody can notice yeah. it. It's almost a slideshow. But that's not. It's not. It's not that I I didn't drop it because of any of those mm. issues. But I'm just thinking in terms of picking it back up again. I'm so close to a point where there's going to be some improvement. I might as well yeah. just wait. You may as well, and then play it when it's actually running well. No, I did enjoy it. I was well. We could, we hope. Well, we'll see what the actual update brings. But I, I wonder if there's going to be any DLC this year or anything like that because there's been talks about there's this big area up to the north or whatever that looks like it could be some form of DLC in the future. And there's there's been data mines and things like that about potential new Pokemon and things like that. So there probably will be some form of DLC. Um, so I'll wait and see what that brings. But yeah, I really loved it. But there's just a bunch of stuff that is really bad and it deserves. It deserved all the criticism it got, but at the end of the day, it was still a fun Pokemon game. It's still done a ton of new things that I liked. It done some things that I didn't like, but no game's perfect, I guess. But I enjoyed it. Awesome. I mean, I want to very quickly jump in on Pokemon Violet. Um, uh-huh. Just to say, I echo absolutely literally everything you said, Graham. Good. Um, I my my takeaway on Pokemon Violet is it's a bad game that I had so much fun yeah, with. Yeah, it's it's a great terrible game. Um it's the first time I've completed a Pokédex since Pokemon Red. I didn't Blue. I didn't even do that. You didn't complete the Pokédex? No. Um why didn't I think I I made an effort to there was one night I sat for hours and tried to fill out my Pokédex and then the fucking game crashed. And I was like, nah. And I hadn't saved in a long time. And I turn off autosave because autosave with Pokemon games always seems to be really dodgy. So I turned it off and I'd lost about six hours. And I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm never going to do it. I'm never evolving this stupid gold twat, this cheese string guy 
that's never happening. I'm not going to bother. So, no. So I lost interest. That's... What's the requirement for evolving the cheese string You've got guy? to find 999 coins. So you can find the pre-evolution like randomly throughout the world. You'll see this little guy in a rock or something and you can interact with it and you'll get given a bunch of coins. But it, it varies. You can get like between 2 and 50 coins or something. Or you can find it in like a chest form and get lots more coins. But it just takes fucking ages. And I was like, no. Maybe one day. I had... I ended up. That doing sounds that. like I did that evolution just by accident because I just ended up finding so many of the gimme goals everywhere. Yeah, I don't know how I never managed to because I I probably explore games like that, so I don't know why I never managed to get any. But I think I checked recently and it only had like four hundred coins, and I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to get the maximum amount. I'll do it one day, I'm sure, but I couldn't be arsed. When you have a bored afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Especially when the game crashes on me. That instantly makes me go, no, I'm not going to attempt that again. No way. Yeah, losing six hours of progress is enough to put Especially when that progress is like boring stuff, like just evolving Pokemon that you've got in your box. I'm like, no, I couldn't be arsed doing that again. Because I was doing a lot of raids to get items to help evolve and stuff like that. And the raids are terrible as it is. They're like technically awful. They just don't function very well at all. Like, nope, not doing that again. Well, my first pick is one that I suspect is on Ruben's list as well, because we both very much enjoyed this game last year, and that is Vampire Survivors. Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) In which there are no actual vampires, and not really any survivors. Um... (laughs) So I don't know where the name comes from. But for anybody not aware, I how to describe Vampire Survivors. Um, there's, there's only one button when you're playing the game, and that's just moving your character around, uh, who starts with one weapon that just auto-fires, and spawns of enemies just appear around you, and you just have to kind of dodge them and kill as many as of them as you can to pick up levelling up crystals that al- allow you to power up your 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 weapon select an additional extra weapon up to six weapons or a passive ability and uh yeah by the if you manage to survive long enough you're insanely overpowered uh and it's just a lot of fun it looks basic (laughs) it kind of almost it almost looks like it could have been made on the on the snes but it's just so much fun and it's so addictive it's the perfect epitome of just one more go because it only takes, I don't know, at most half an hour to do a run. Is it a roguelike? Uh, I wouldn't even describe it as a roguelike because there's no, there's other than which weapons you pick up, there's no other like randomization as such. You just choose a character with a starting weapon, you get plonked into the world. And you just walk around killing creatures and levelling up. I I, it's really hard to explain why it's so Does addictive. it put you back to the beginning if you die, though? Is it that kind of loop? Um, yeah, you, well, it takes you back to a... It gives you a kind of a score, and then it just takes you back to the main menu, and then you just oh, go right. again on a level. But it's kind of... But it's levels, though, rather than... You, like, you don't have to make it through the first level to be able to do the second level, third level, fourth level. Um, yes, but there are there are... There are gates, if it, not gate, not physical gates, but there are, there are things that allow you to unlock the next level. But once it's unlocked, you can just play that level whenever you want. I mean, the the best way I've seen Vampire Survivors described is a reverse bullet hell. So rather yes, than, you are the rather you than are the bullet hell. Out, everything's coming in. Um, it's oh, it's just such a goddamn satisfying game. And so, some of the some of the kind of the weapon combinations that you can get, and the way that the weapons power up. There's loads of hidden abilities where if you have a certain weapon and a certain passive ability, they kind of fuse together to give you an even more powerful version of the original weapon. Um, one of the weapons is, for example, garlic that just surrounds your character with a glowing aura, and if anything comes near you, it takes damage. <laughs> even though none of them are vampires. <laughs> 
Although arguably some of them are vampire bats, maybe, but it's not really the same thing. But yeah, I think I, I spent several hours towards the end of last year making my way through a lot of Vampire Survivors. And it was perfect to play on the Steam Deck uh, and on my Xbox, thanks to wonderful cloud syncing of saves. And it's on mobile now, isn't it? It is on mobile yeah. as well. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, the save doesn't sync to the mobile version. But okay, I'll just start the game again. <laughs> I may, I may have a wee look. I, need, I yeah. think I need more things on my Steam Deck. Like I, be- I barely touch it, so maybe I'll get. And it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, the only way you quid or something. As oh, well, is it? So yeah, to to buy it is really cheap. Although to play it on Steam Deck, you'll either have to stream it or install Windows because it's on Game Pass. Oh, I've got Game Pass. Oh, actually, maybe it is on Steam. I think you can buy it on it Steam. It might be on Steam. Yeah, you might be able to buy it on Steam as well. I just I played it through Windows on the Steam Deck because I've got Game Pass. So. Cool. I'll maybe give it a look. But yeah, that's that's Vampire Survivors. Ruben, choice number two. I'm running out of picks very, very quickly because both of you have picked two games that were on my game <laughs> of the year. Um, but... We all knew this was coming. Disney Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Everybody is loving yeah. Dreamlight Valley. I wouldn't say this was my like quote unquote best game of the year. It has its problems. Um, like to get into the problems before I go on to the positives because the positives <laughs> this is longer. This game, when you play it, it really feels like it was originally intended to be a free-to-play game with like loads of microtransactions, and it really feels like that. Um, but that's that—that's what it is, right? When it releases out of early access, it is going to be a free-to-play game with microtransactions, right? Unless, well, I hope if you've paid for it beforehand, which I didn't because I reviewed it, but if you've paid for it beforehand, it won't drop that sort of shit on you. But who knows? I mean, the full release is soon, isn't it? I thought it was beginning of this year. Um, but like for anyone who doesn't know, Disney Dreamlight Valley just basically just plonks you in a, a village that's overtaken by kind of night thorns, which are like purple thorns. And these thorns have caused the denizens of this village to have lost their memory. So they've forgotten who they are and... Um, who they know and things like that. And you basically just find Disney characters, remind, kind of help them get their memories back. And then you find more Disney characters, bring those to the Valley as well, help them remember that they were from the Valley too. And it basically just goes on and on like that. Um, The level of customization of the characters, amazing. I love a good character customization thing. And the fact I can put my, my male presenting character in what would be, generally classed as female presenting clothes i like that sort of shit um being able to customize basic clothing with stamps that you get from playing the game where you can give them kind of disney designs that you can make yourself is also a neat little feature um aside from the microtransaction microtransaction feeling stuff like the stamina meter that mainstay of fucking free-to-play bollocks. Um, And the fact it feels a little bit grindy at points, so having to collect, I don't know, like 20 of a flower for a quest or something. Aside from that, it's just a really enjoyable game. You can just dip into it. It's very, very brainless. Um, But if you're a fan of Disney and you like those sort of life sim games, like Animal Crossing, stuff like that, it shares a lot of the DNA with those sorts of games um and yeah i just i've spent goodness knows how many hours on disney dreamlight valley this year year. (laughs) is it one you're gonna likely to keep just playing and playing and playing like is there a bunch of updates and stuff like that planned uh there has been um uh i think it's a few weeks ago i started i i i stopped playing it because i i ended up playing another game um but uh they added Woody and Buzz and a Toy Story kind of area um, to the game recently. And the last update before that, they added Scar and um, 
uh, as an update and some new areas and they just keep adding new bits intermittently so that's it's just quite and also i've not even found all of the characters that were in the sodding game when i originally got it because there's weird unlock criteria for some of the characters like i've not found stitch yet because he has really weird unlock criteria um but yeah it's just a as i say just a brainless game i would i would suggest if you are interested in it it's probably not worth buying it now since it's becoming free to play soon but yeah it's a good game but it is it's, it's on game pass isn't it it is on game pass yeah so again if you've got game pass yeah probably worth giving it a go while it's on there um sort of fills the void of animal crossing in a sort of way yeah since nintendo decided to abandon it i mean animal crossing didn't fill the void of animal crossing for me this time around like well no that's true you you didn't enjoy the I current did not, the, I did the not most recent enjoy it. um i mean i i like when i was sorting out the office the other day i saw a new leaf on the shelf i was like i'd really love to play new leaf again but I, i've not had that since new horizon since i put it down so cool graham pick number two my pick number two is going to be kirby oh kirby forgotten kingdom yeah i i loved kirby like i i've played some kirby's before and they're always just kind of okay they're they're never that exciting i think probably the best one i played was robobot was that 3ds or ds i can't remember um that was probably the most fun one before but i didn't really give that much of a shit about Kirby games before. They were kind of cute and stuff. But Forgotten Land was just so much fun. Like, everything about it was just happy and fun and colourful and adorable as fuck. And it was just so much fun to play. Like, I loved all the ability. I mean, some of the abilities can get in the bin. But most of them were just... There's always somewhere you're like, oh, fuck, I don't I, want that I one. I hated... <laughs> I just I just lost my good ability. Yeah, to ship I hate one. the drill. The drill bored me, but there was a bunch of ones that are just really fun. The bosses were really good fun. All the different levels I thought were quite creative. Like it didn't just do obvious kind of level styles, um, and the ending was the ending reminded me of something from Platinum. It was very like Wonderful One Hundred One type nonsense over the top kind of stuff and i just adored it it was just it was just so much fun i i thought it was great it was probably my game of the year last year i mean i didn't play a huge amount of new games last year but it probably would be i mean that's that's still saying something though i uh, i i have played i played both the demo and a bit more of the opening because uh i got it for gareth's birthday we we played a bit in co-op together um it's not the most fun in co-op because as a second player, you don't get to do any of the copy abilities. You're just wandering around as Waddle D, but it's still a really enjoyable little 3D Do you platformer. get to do anything as Waddle D, though? I've never done the multiplayer. You, you can just kind of attack with your little spear thing, and that's oh. pretty much it. <laughs> so you're just taking a Waddle D out for a walk, basically. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, Kirby's doing all the fun stuff, and you're just plodding along yeah. behind. I mean, that's more than Nintendo usually put into their co-op offering. That is true. So, yeah, that's something, at least. Perhaps having uh, two Kirbys with the ability to copy abilities would have just been too much for the poor Switch to handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too much suction. They, they they tried it and they went, oh, no, this the Switch is going to melt itself because of the adorability. Two Kirby's would have been fine, though. I think they should have just done that. Yeah, I think they should have done. I think it's probably more... How how do they explain it with in-game lore? Because there aren't two Kirby's just, that exist in the Kirby just universe. Just don't. Fuck the lore. Just, yeah, just, just add it. in just... another sucky boy. Just do it. May as well. Well, my second choice is a game that had such a huge amount of nostalgia attached to it and a huge amount of 
almost trepidation leading up to its release that it just paid off big time, and that is Return to Monkey Island. Oh, you loved that, didn't you? I, uh, I've always been quite a big fan of Monkey Island. Um, and part of it, I think, is going back to playing the original way back, I don't know, like uh, very early 90s, sort of playing with my dad a bit uh, and solving, you know, that, that brush you get when you're solving puzzles. They're genuinely well written. They're genuinely funny in places. Um, and so when it was announced that the original creators were going to go back and make a sequel, obviously, you know, when often when creators go back and do something like that 20 years later, it's never quite the same. But on this occasion, they really pulled it off. Uh, I really enjoyed the graphical style, despite the fact that a lot of people on the internet decided to have a meltdown over it. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it retained all of the original humour, but it poked fun at, you know, more modern um, pop culture references. And yeah, I just had a really good time with it. It's not the longest game in the world, but, you know, point and click adventures That's never are. That's a plus are. point for me, though. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, and it's... Uh, Available now. Was it also another game that's now available on oh, Game it? Pass, I think. Was that just a recent edition? Yeah. Has that been there all along? I think it was like, I think it was right at the end of last oh, year, right, I okay. think it was added. Because it was a Switch exclusive at yeah. launch. And then I think like three, month, three months or six months later, it was released on uh, Xbox. But yeah, well worth a look if you're in any way either just interested or a fan of point-and-click games, because it's one of the I wonder best. if they'll keep going now that it got received so well, like, and it's come back with a bang. It would be... I, I would like to see that happen, but the end of it... Mm, I don't know. There's an... The first two games were made by the same creators, and the ending of the second one had the most bizarre twist, and they kind of wrote around that in the third game in the series that was didn't have the original creators involved. And this new game kind of goes back and retcons that. But then this one also ends in a similarly ambiguous and confusing way. So I, it will be interesting to see how they kind of factor that into a, another sequel without giving too much away. But yeah, that's uh, Return to Monkey Island. Nice. Ruben, pick number three. We're halfway through now. Um, as Graham revealed he is in the last round we did, my actual unequivocal game of the year was Live Alive. Because of oh, course okay. it was. I need. I keep yeah. meaning to pick it up. I always think it's going to be cheaper than it is. I know it was cheaper than a full price game. But I'm, I've been waiting for it to go on sale. It's like, like I think you can pick it up for like £33 on Shop 2 or something like that. Right. Um, it's just phenomenal. Like, you can you can tell when you play a game like that, which is essentially just a port, a HD2D port of a SNES game. Um, you can tell that Square Enix were really on good shit in the in the SNES era because <laughs> games like that Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy 6 like they're all just absolute certified fucking bangers um and Live Alive is definitely is most definitely in that list um it's a JRPG but every single story you play from the different characters messes with that genre ever so slightly and does a different thing in a different time zone with different characters so 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 as to not ruin too much or spoil too much um there's one set in the far future where you're playing as a little robot and in that one the combat is very very minimal but it's a kind of stealth horror story and has kind of stealth horror gameplay or there's a feudal Japan one when you're playing as a um, samurai 
no, it's, a, it's more of a ninja, actually. Um, and that has more standard combat, but it makes it places a very heavy emphasis on not killing anyone. So it gives you more of a... It, it guides you more towards avoiding enemies and using traps and tricks and things like that to get around them. Or there's even like a what is essentially fucking Street Fighter, <laughs> where you have like a sequence of fights against different competitors um, that even have like fighting game sort of splash screens between each battle, um, which has a sort of Mega Man setup where the abilities you get from defeating each fighter will actually be useful against one of the particular other fighters that you have to fight. So it has all of this and each story really is like only two to three hours long. So you can easily do a story in a sitting mm -hmm. and then it will save your progress through that story. It will remember you finished that story and then you can just pick somebody else's. That's pretty good. Um, so it's a, it's a JRPG, but even as far as JRPGs go, even though it's like, what, like eight stories, it's still not that long, really. Yeah, it's a very reasonable length of... Like, uh, but that's... And I, don't, and I don't say that as a negative, that, you know, that is often a positive, because JRPGs are great, but they can be so overwrought sometimes in their convoluted stories that go on for 70 hours. Well, 2022, I finished Persona 5 Royal, and that was 160 hours of my life. That's obscene. Um, don't get me wrong. Phenomenal game. But still, that length of time. But yeah, I mean, I would really recommend Live Live just simply because it is such an interesting experience. Yeah. You never quite know what you're getting into when you pick that character. At the and that's, that's the thing. When I like learned about this game and started to get interested about it, my worry was that there's obviously these different characters with such different types of gameplay in each of them. Like, do they all stand up? Is there any is there any stories that just aren't that great because the gameplay itself isn't that great because it changes so much? No, the, the gameplay is pretty much consistent across the board. Mm. Whenever there's combat, the combat is the same. Right. Um, it's set up in exactly the same way. You're You're fighting on a grid and you move around the grid and attack with attacks that will cover one square or multiple squares or whatever um it's just the attacks will be different and the drive will be different but there was not a weak story in the bunch that's good um the because the weakest story for me was prehistory but prehistory was the funniest story by a very long stretch and because of that, it just rose the story up because it was weak in terms of, you know, drama, twists and plot points and that sort of thing. But it was so, so fucking funny that I like it rose the story up just based on that alone. Um, but yeah, seriously, Live Alive. Brilliant game. Excellent. Graham, pick number three for you. I am going to go with a little small game that I think I've mentioned before. Um, it's Far Changing Tides. So this is a sequel to Far Lone Sales, which I can't remember when that came out. It was a, it was a few years ago. Um, and this is a sequel, I think... Maybe I'm not entirely sure this actually came out this year. If it wasn't this year, it was the end of the last one. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was March um, 2022. Um but it's just a really charming, adorable little adventure simulation type game. Like you've got a character who builds. Um, so the, the first one, you, the character was building a boat. And then this one, it's a machine that you just have to collect parts and then upgrade your ship to just effectively get from start to end. Um, it's just one long scrolling screen from beginning to end, really. And there, there's like bits and pieces of puzzles in order to upgrade your ship um, and keep it moving. And there's like so much management of the different parts of the ship to keep it going. Um, and there is like a story element as such, but it's really subtle. Like there's no 
dialogue or anything like that. It's one of those like classic indie type games where it's it's like super cheap. It's only about four or five hours long, which is just perfect. Um, and it doesn't say very much. You kind of have to interpret a lot of the story yourself. But it's just super cute and just chill to play. Even though that like there's stressful parts because you've got to there's a lot of management involved in it, but it's just super chilled out and relaxing and just really charming. Um I thought it was a a really good sequel. It was very much more of the same, but sometimes more of the same works out pretty well. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I think it's on Game Pass. It certainly was on Game Pass when I played it. Um, I don't know whether it's been removed or anything like that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I just thought it was lovely. Might be one to uh, to have a look at when I've got a quiet day or two. Yeah, you should. I've not played the first one, though. I don't know how linked Have you heard are. of the first one? Yeah. I have heard of it, yeah. I, 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 I vaguely remember it sort of popping up and appearing on Twitter a fair bit mm. when it came out. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. A lovely little game. I have to see if it's still on Game Pass. Something to uh, something else to put put on the uh, on the Steam Deck. Oh yeah, great choice. I've surprisingly played few actual Steam games on the Steam Deck. Same. I've been using it as an Xbox uh, Game Pass yeah, machine. Yeah, same. For when I'm not in front of my Xbox. Oh, any thoughts from you, Ruben? No, no. I mean that does sound that that does sound quite interesting, and to be fair, considering how many really long fucking games I play, a shorter game might be a nice little palate cleanser between I don't, <laughs> between the ridiculous lengths I put into games. I don't know how you find the time, Ruben. Like all these long games with uni work and everything like that. Like how on earth do you fit these into your life? I don't sleep very much. Does that <laughs> does does that answer your question? That's fair, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, that leads me to my third pick, and I've got to I've got to start eliminating something because I've got I've got three games left, um, and so one of them is going to just have to be an honourable mention. So uh, I think my third pick is going to be God of War Ragnarok. I thought you might say that. I saw this. Coming, yeah. <laughs> Big fan of the 2018 God of War game. I thought. I think the I I really enjoyed the combat personally. I thought the I thought the the throwing the axe and calling it back to you was just really satisfying. I, I know you weren't such a fan of that, Ruben, or at least the combat in general. Uh, uh, and yeah, I know this this sequel was really just more of the same, but it was continuing a story and characters that I was really invested in from the from the first not the first god of war game but the first one in the norse norse mythology series um and yeah i think it just it came to a a really satisfying conclusion or i felt it came to a really satisfying conclusion so yeah really enjoyed it beautiful to look at as well on the ps5 uh i think it's it's probably gonna be well it's probably gonna be sony's last big cross-gen game i would i would think there's not many left to come um so there were elements of it where you're like yeah this is you can see that this is limited because it also has to run on a ps4 um and that's more in the structure of the world you know where they're hiding loading screens between squeezing through tight gaps in rocks and you know that kind of stuff um whereas i think if it was a game built natively for the ps5 from from the ground up you probably wouldn't have had so much of that but still yeah just really satisfying combat some fun little puzzles and a, a really good conclusion to the story and the kind of emotional payoff between kratos and atreus how did how did you well find um, so my friend sent me a copy of his i've not yet started it but he finished it and sent me his and one of his big problems as much as he adored it there's so many points that like just really unnecessarily drag out and like there like three hours could easily just be an hour type of game like it, it kind of slows down quite a lot which puts me off some aspects of it but that was his problem with it how did you find that kind of stuff have you played 
the 2008. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it was any worse than that, okay. in my opinion. And at no point, I... Yes, they could have cut bits out of it. And from a story point of view, you wouldn't have missed much. But at the same time, I wasn't at really at any point not entertained. That's good. Because there's always something to find when you're exploring. Yeah. It's a much more open world, isn't it? This time round. Yeah, it's bigger. And there, there's also a couple of quite large, completely optional areas yeah. as well. Um, that you might only find if you're looking for them all by chance because they're they're sort of signposted, but unless you uh, you're really exploring everywhere, you you might not even come across them. And they you know they can eat up easily in like almost five hours to ten hours for some for one of them because it's huge um, and probably the biggest open area in the whole yeah. game. Does it keep the uh, those puzzles with the bells? Because I fucking hated those puzzles. Puzzle. Oh, what we have to ring them we in have time. To fire your axe at these bells. They're the, to open yeah, the chests. Right. Yes, there are still oh, a couple of those. Right. I do, I feel like they were really frustrating in the first one, and I don't know if they weren't quite as frustrating okay. in this one, or they just weren't as many of them. Because I remember in the first one, like you had to ring them in a certain. You had to ring them in a certain amount yeah, of time. That's right. In this one, I think it's I th- whether they're being a bit more generous with the timings. I didn't feel as frustrated by them, and I don't think there were as oh, many it's... of them as there were in the previous it's... one. But yeah, that's uh, that's my pick number three. I mean, I had no so, in- I, Ru- I had no interest in God of War Ragnarok, but I am, no. I am still thoroughly offended you didn't tell me about that grumpy squirrel character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so offended well, I had to find out about that from Twitter. I'm sorry. I let you down. But what's interesting... Well, not interesting, but uh, it's not just a grumpy squirrel character. It's a squirrel character with multiple personalities split between different spirits. So one of them is grumpy and one of them is socially anxious and one of them is uh, really enthusiastic <laughs> Am I gonna? I'm just gonna watch gameplay of this. I don't want to play it. <laughs> yeah, just 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 search for that character's name and yeah, watch the bits with with him in it. But yeah, so your your final pick of your sort of main four games of the year, Ruben. What are you going with? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Yes. What a game. It was so nostalgic. Um, literally from from the... like, I, I had high hopes for this because it's made by the same person that made Streets of Rage... Uh, team that made Streets of Rage 4. Which... Yeah, which he loves. Which I fucking... I, I still play Streets of Rage 4 now. That is, that's how much I love that game. Um, so I already knew it was in good hands. But then when the game opens with that remix of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song from the 90s, I was like, okay... They know what they're doing. This is going to be great. And it is. It genuinely is. Each of the turtles feels gen- like genuinely distinct from one another. Not just in movesets, but like in little touches with their animations. Like some of them like run a little bit differently or um, all of them have different taunts, um, which are related to their, their character. Their personalities are in a sense, intact from the cartoon from the 90s. 100%. And then you've ob- obviously you've got um, Splinter as well. Um, mm-hmm. And April? That's the... And Casey, isn't Isn't Casey playable? Oh, Casey's playable as well. as well, but Casey's unlockable. It's April, isn't it, the journalist? Yeah. Oh, I did get that right, yeah. Um, April, April O'Neil. So, and April O'Neil attacks with... Um, like a microphone it's, it's fantastic um <laughs> which is just it's bafflingly bananas and i love it um but yet quite honestly it was one uh, much like when streets of rage 4 came out the moment i started that game i was like i have to finish this there's literally i i literally and it's one of those rare games in which i wasn't distracted by any other game until i finished the story of tmnt um and i've gone back to it it's like it it feels like a it does genuinely feel like just a, another one, a, a new one of the 90s cartoons, just playable. Um, 
and what's even better is they put out a really a large scale patch in November um, that really fixed some of what I would have even what what I considered to be the problems. Like for instance, throws were fucking pointless. There was no point throwing enemies because you had no invulnerability, so you could just get fucking ganked um, whilst you were trying to throw things, and that was just stupid. But they've now made it so throws have invincibility, um, which makes therefore fights much more frenetic and interesting it follows the street streets of rage 4 school of comboing as well you can just get ridiculous combos um but yeah it's and it's multiplayer up to six players although that i wouldn't recommend it um (laughs) once it starts like i would say like three maybe four players online is 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 about the limit the moment you start getting higher than that you end up with massive frame rate drops and enemies just basically teleporting and all sorts of weird lag shit so yeah i feel i feel like six playable characters on screen as well would would be a recipe for just too much going on oh it's cut even if even even if there wasn't lag issues i feel like there would just be too much going on on the screen to to keep up with what's going on you're right it's absolute can't even like three to four characters on screen plus the enemies plus the flashy super attacks like it becomes really chaotic but once you get up to six which i did do and yes it does really lag but i did do a couple of six player levels when i went back through and did the levels again and it's just absolute carnage it's impossible to keep up with what's going on which when you factor in the lag as well, my God. Um, but yeah, if you loved TMNT as a kid, it's on Game Pass, I think. Definitely give it a look. Definitely. I feel like awesome. we just an advert for Game Pass a lot of the time. Like so many games. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many of these have been way. on Game Pass. Yeah. Just how good it is. So, Graham. Choice number four. Choice number four. Your your final choice. I'm going to go with Stray, and I I didn't I, I didn't think I would bother adding Stray to this list because I remember mind you, when the Game Awards got announced and that was like up for Game of the Year and everyone was like, really, you're taking the piss. It's up against Elden Ring and God of War and all that shit. And I when I was when I first started playing it, it was kind of in the middle of the Game Awards announcements and I was maybe like an hour or two into it. And I just thought, nah, this is ridiculous putting this game in here. It's lovely, but it's ridiculous. But, and I wouldn't say it's absolutely, I haven't played Elden Ring or God of War, but I know fine it's not going to be anywhere near <laughs> to that level of game. But like the first couple of hours, I was pretty meh about it. Um, like the, there's a a little town city thing that you're in for the first couple of hours that I didn't really care for. And I think I was close to not bothering with the rest of it, but I was like, nah, I might as well. It's only like a four or five hour game. I might as well keep going. And then by the end of it, I absolutely ended up loving it. I just thought it was really good. I loved like the world that they built. I just thought the world was amazingly well designed. Um I liked the story as well. Like so many of the characters, the robot characters in the game, that their stories were really cool. I loved like the, the sort of puzzle elements of trying to help some of the characters and like you've got to get you've got to steal a, a hat and stuff like that but you've got to get one character to another place and then another one to another place just just through finding people and talking to them and stuff like that or doing particular things in the world i just thought it was really well made in the end and the, the story was really nice um and it was just i thought the whole thing was just really well designed um i didn't really care that much for being a cat to be honest um but i thought it was just a really good game in the end and I to begin with I thought it would be pretty nothing but it kind of surprised me well Stray was going to be one of my honourable mentions there you go Uh, and I played it during the summer not long after just after it came out uh, when I was hit with Covid (laughs) and yeah it's like you said like the opening bit I was almost, I, I was almost like. Mm, it was really difficult but, and then to navigate. Kind of, I thought that opening city. I was like, I actually don't know how to yeah. get to the places. Is what me to get. Yeah, but then it starts. You know, 
he sort of drags you into the story of these little robots and what happened to the world and yeah it's just really and it weirdly there's something there's something yeah, about it that there is and it weirdly in. ends up becoming a third person shooter which yeah which told, i mean those bits weren't that great they kind of annoyed me a lot of the time but i was like i wasn't expecting to be shooting these little blobs of whatever the hell it was But yeah, that's that's stray. And I, have you tried it? Rhythm? I haven't played it. I'm surprised by this. A lot of people are. <laughs> you are not alone in being surprised that I have not played the game where you play as a cat. Well, I'm sure you'll get around to it at some point. Yeah, when it comes to Game Pass or something, maybe. I don't know if it works. I think is it not exclusive to PlayStation? PlayStation in. Is, is it not a Sony published game? Steam. It was on the Steam Deck that I ended up playing it. Oh, it was on Steam yeah. as well. Okay. Now oh, maybe it'll come to Xbox at some point. I feel it'll do, it'll end up going Xbox and Switch. Just feels like that sort of game. Um, right. So my final pick for game of the year is one that you've just mentioned, Graham. It's Elden Ring. I knew this was coming as well. <laughs> it had to. So one of us had to. Yeah. Elden Ring's like not my type of game at all, but one of you had to mention it. Uh, yeah, it was 120 hours of my life, I think, last year playing Elden Ring. It's probably the game I spent the most amount of time playing last year. And I... <laughs> Yes, it's got it's very much got the Dark Soulsy elements to it, but the biggest comparison I can make is to Breath of the Wild in terms of yeah, that... it just sticks you in a world with almost no direction. You're free to do whatever you want. You can almost straight from the off just make a beeline to the finale of it, and people have it's you know. I don't think they've quite gone it down to Breath of the Wild levels of completing it in 15 minutes, but I don't think they're far off either. Um, but yeah, this... Ruben and several people listening to this might remember my attempt at playing Dark Souls last year, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is an interesting experience. And Elden Ring has a lot of the same things about it, but for me, when I found I got stuck or frustrated by something, I could just go somewhere else and explore somewhere else. I didn't... In, in many ways, it was sort of grinding to level up to get myself powerful enough to defeat whatever frustrating boss I was up against. But because I was exploring new places as part of that, and I was you know, ex delving through a new dungeon that I've never been through or exploring some catacombs that I've never been through. It all felt... It all felt really interesting. I didn't feel like I was grinding necessarily. And there were so many little secrets. And then... There's just one point in the game. And I got Ruben to this point in the game. I think... I'll, was it this... Was it this week or was it last week? I think it might have been last week. Because we're playing co-op on Ruben's stream at the moment. Uh, where you stumble across a, a lift and it takes you down and down and down. And you're going down for what feels like a minute and a half. And then suddenly you realise there's a whole nother underground world that's ultimately not as big as the overworld. But still massive that you just have no idea. And you almost stumble upon it completely by accident. That's really cool. Well, uh, I didn't stumble across it at all in my previous playthrough. Well, no. Whatsoever. No, exactly. Um, but you did this time because I took you to where the well was that you, you go down. But you were like, what's going on? What's You had no idea that there yeah. was this extra underground world to explore. Uh, and yeah, it's just... The story is... 
as much as you want to make of it, it's confusing and contradictory and complicated. But overall, I just had a hell of a lot of fun exploring that world. Is that you a Souls type person there? I don't I still don't know that I would go and play one of the more linear ones, but I think if there are other you know, if going forwards their games are like this, then maybe. And I the other thing I think that made it easier is that I don't think I would be very good at it if I was forced into melee combat all the time. But I could play it as a ranged magic mm. user, which increased the ease of the game. Like, there's no easy mode, but if there was an easy mode, it would be playing as a magic character. Did it feel more... Like, a lot of people said, oh, this is the most accessible Souls-type game. Did it feel like that to you? Because I feel a lot of people say that are people that have played Dark Souls all along, but a newbie coming into it is probably still like, this is absolutely nails. I mean, my experience of playing Dark Souls games previously was playing about six hours of the first one on stream with Ruben. So my, I don't have the strongest point of comparison, but from the off, there is at the very least that Dark Souls doesn't have a basic tutorial. Oh. <laughs> That's a good start. So, Dark Souls did have a basic tutorial, you just didn't see it. It was, I don't think it's as fully uh, involved as the... Uh, is, is the Dark Souls tutorial it. just don't die and that's it? Go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it, it's not as implicit. No. But yeah, I think I think it... Just the fact that the world is more explorable and more open and you've got more choice makes it more accessible in a way. Like if you, if you like Ruben, for example, not really a big fan of open world games... To, that are that big but I think if you're okay with an open world game there's so much that you can do but it's not again it's not sign it's so like Breath of the Wild there's no signposting anywhere really there's some rough pointers and directions that you should go but there's no you have to discover everything yourself that's the that's the best type of open world games rather than just Here's a map with a million. Here's a here's a map with a million it, icons on it, and you've got a million. Exactly, because that's yeah, more no, stressful. Yeah, exactly, because you're like, well, what am I missing out on? I have to go to these stupid little icons and get pretty much nothing. Every every little collectible thing that's spread yeah. across the map. So yeah, that was uh, that was my final pick for game that's of the year. year. So honorable mentions, Ruben. Um, the I, I I just want to just throw on honorable mentions at Pokemon Legends Arceus and Tunic while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, Tunic's a game I was excited about for years because I played it. I played a demo version of it, like we're talking like three years ago, um, and it didn't disappoint. Hard as nails, kind of isometric Zelda-like thing. Um, Really cool, really fun, some really interesting puzzles. Yeah, I, f- um, I found out the hard way that it was hard. I thought it, I looked at it thought, oh, this is just going to be a cute little Zelda game. And then two hours later, I was like, no, this is fucking Dark Souls, but just with a fox. Yeah. It's really <laughs> yeah. hard. It is brutal, but I don't, it just, it, like, I just really enjoyed it. Um, and Pokemon Legends Arceus, just because. It, it did what I wanted Pokemon to do, mm-hmm. I think. Because my least favourite thing about any Pokemon game is always the battles. I like finding the cute little things and I like exploring the cute little world. But like the battles in Pokemon, I've always been kind of meh about. Um, don't get me wrong, I think Violet actually handled it better for me. Um... But I did really just enjoy exploring the world of Arceus. Um, The only reason why I didn't put it into my games of the year is because it started to grate on me a little bit by the end. Yeah, I get that. All of that check. It it started started to grate on me almost immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
I was like, this is too much busy work. I just want to catch a Pokemon and move on to the next one. I don't want to catch it 700 times to complete research. Yeah, that's that's the problem I had. Because initially I was like, this is great. I'm really enjoying this. This actually feels like this actually feels like being in a Pokemon world. Which Pokemon hadn't really managed before. But yeah. By by the end of the game, which is why I've not done any of the post-game, I've just rolled the credits, I've finished the main story in Arceus, was just because I was just like, I'm really bored of catching this same mm. Pokemon yeah. multiple times now. I got to that stage. My my biggest problem with Arceus is like when it launched. It launched like two months after the Diamond and Pearl remakes, and I was like, Diamond and Pearl are my least favourite games anyway. So it was just, I was just like, I've done this Pokedex two months ago, I've seen a hundred Bidoofs and a hundred fucking whatever else in that game. I'm like, I'm kind of done with these, seeing these Pokemon over and over again. So I didn't like how close they launched it to Diamond and Pearl. I would have preferred Arceus was something of a different region with different Pokemon. And that was what made Arceus seem a bit less special to me. I was just over the Pokedex. That makes sense. That's, that's fair. Uh, any honourable mentions from you? Graham. Do you know what, right? As much as I said I didn't really care for Bayonetta that much. I, <laughs> I might as well say Bayonetta because I still I love Bayonetta. Bayonetta like the core game of Bayonetta in general, whether it's one, two or three, the core game of Bayonetta is awesome. Like it's so much fun to play. Um two is still the best out of the three. I I liked one but I had problems with it. And three, when you're just playing as Bayonetta it's great. Like every part of that game when you're playing Betting At is just so much fun. Um, the demons or whatever the, the hell they're called, most of them are fun to play as. And the gameplay is just as fun as it ever was and just as over the top and hectic and crazy and sexy. Like that's all these things that I just love about Bayonet games in general. But then it goes and just does annoying shit left, right and centre where it takes you away from that. Like, I never cared for the viola parts. I thought that segment was just a little bit lacking. The, like, the dodging was more difficult, which there has been an update to make that a lot easier. Yeah, if, they've fixed they've, well, it. Which I'm glad, it, because that, that made me realise, oh, maybe I wasn't just shit at this game. Other people had a problem with this too. Um, but all these little sidey bits, there was, when you play um, as Jan, it's like a side-scrolling stealth bit, 2D stealth section that's just terrible like those sections are just and they happen too frequently but if you take out all that nonsense then it is actually really good i know a lot of people complained about the story i didn't mind the story towards the end the story just gets ridiculous and without spoiling anything there's like really really cool like fan service moments towards the end of it um i i did ultimately enjoy it if you take away other crap <laughs> well i also have an honorable mention that is also basically just a secret fifth game of the year and that's horizon forbidden i was West. tempted because <laughs> i wasn't al- i wasn't allowed five games i was, I was so tempted to see horizon was on your top four i didn't want them all to be I wanted a bit of variation in my top four, which is why I put Return to Monkey Island in there and why I put Vampire Survivors in there. So I wanted to, I wanted a bit of variation in the top four, but I mean, Horizon... And, and then I was left for a choice between Elden Ring, God of War and, and Horizon, and I just Horizon had to has pick to, two. Yeah, really. yeah, I just had to pick two. Um, but I did also love Horizon, Um I love the world that they built in the first one. I loved how they continued it in the sequel. Um, it does, I think, a little bit suffer from what we were just talking about with big yeah. open world with millions of icons on the map to go and explore. And it's um, quite restrictive with how it asks you to tackle like the, the story points and missions and stuff like that. I really felt like that with the first one as well. And it didn't really fix. You couldn't really just enter an encounter how you wanted. It was quite... You had to do what it told you, pretty much, which I didn't really care about. Yeah, sometimes it was. Yeah, it it was an open world, but you had to do it the way that they wanted you to do some of the mm. things. Um, 
But I love Aloy as a character. She's one of my favorite characters in games. Um, so yeah, it, it was just nice to go and spend another, I don't know, 50, 60 hours exploring more of that yeah. world. And it looked it, amazing. It on really the does. A lot of the new machines are really awesome. Like the machines are the best part about that game. I don't care about the, the human stuff, the human fights and things like that. The machines are definitely the coolest part. Oh yeah, fighting against humans is quite like most of them. I was I either just try to stealth kill them in one hit or headshot them with an arrow so that I just could get through those bits as quickly as possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, fighting some of those machines is incredible. So yeah, with this Horizon, with the, with the similarities between Horizon, God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring, I'm starting to think that you might have a preferred type of game, Mark. <laughs> yeah, what You're would such that a big be? AAA boy. Open well that, <laughs> but like Well but there's, there's such a huge swing between that and Vampire Survivors. True. But, true. but like all, all three of those games are open world to some extent, character based action RPGs. I, yeah, I I do I do like an action RPG, what can I say? I'm a big fan. Um I mean, I can't talk yeah. like JRPGs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. They're your thing. Action, so action RPGs and Metroidvanias for me. JRPGs for you. Yeah. Fair. Uh, yeah. And 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 a fun mixture of Pokemon and uh, quirky indie Mine's games for Graham. The fucking people bothered playing. <laughs> I was just—I was literally just about to say, Graham's just everything else. Yeah. He's not covered by our two tastes. As long as it's not too long. <laughs> that I'm is fine. true. I mean, I mean that being said, the the other games that filled up a lot of my time last year that didn't fall into either honorable mentions or game of the year because they didn't count for either of those two things was a lot of I'm Resident sorry. Evil games. Oh, thanks, Siri. Um, a lot of Resident Evil games that I played through last year. So a lot of horror games. Which I think if you'd have asked sort of, I don't know, me 10 years ago, I would have gone absolutely not. <laughs> Times have changed. Things have changed. I'm very excited for Dead Space. Oh, that this is week. this week, isn't it? Did you play, did you play Friday Master Protocol? I watched no. my boyfriend play it and oh. it continued to anger me the entire time he was playing it. I was like, this is not a, a Dead Space like spiritual successor at all. Stop pretending. No. No, I decided, based on the reviews at the time, to give it a miss, wait to see if it pops up on Game Pass at some point, and then I'll take a look. Mm. But I, it, it wasn't something I wanted to invest money in at that particular point at full yep. price. But I've gone way off tangent because this is our Game of the Year <laughs> episode. Um, but yeah, is there, are there any other games that anybody else wants to mention? Nope. That's me done, I think. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, that has been our Game of the Year episode. We will be back in the next couple of weeks to our regularly scheduled programming, where I have no doubt that we will be covering the uh, Xbox Developer Direct that is due to begin in about five minutes at time of recording. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.